it's never too late. It is never too late. You can find purpose. You can find who you are. You were created with that. So don't ever think that it's too late or it's too early to know it. Walk in it. You know, lay out things, little um, sentences for yourself to help empower you for those days that you, you don't feel so great. Ask people around you, what's one thing that you like about me? And learn how to speak life into yourself. This world will, you know, it's filled with people who take pleasure mm -hmm. in tearing you down. And, you know, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know. Because I don't even understand it. It will suck you dry. It will suck you dry. What's up, guys? Julian Gato here. And today we are on set of Chilling with Julian, episode nine, where the mission is to interview inspiring individuals to inspire others. I'm super thankful because today we have hosts, producers, authors, mother, daughter, duo, Shelly Mache and Brie K. Jones. How are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Why do you always have to start first? Because uh, it's hierarchy. <laughs> Good, how are you? Come on, respect I'm, the hierarchy. I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I, I'm, I'm thankful to have you both on the show. And at the end of the day, I think um, with quarantine happening and the pandemic, um, still being able to, you know, interview uh, inspiring individuals, even though you guys are on the West Coast, uh, and do it virtually is something that I'm thankful for. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, so um, wanted to ask, uh, first question, uh, where are you both from? Cali. See, you didn't even let me answer. Because you're from Cali. You're from the same place I'm from. I it was a, It was an easy answer. <laughs> We're from Cali. Los Angeles. You're, you're from Cali. Los Angeles. You're from Cali. Technically, Inglewood, if you just want to be okay. specific. We're from Cali. Okay. okay Los stop. Angeles, California. Um, stop it. You're getting put out already. It's too soon. <laughs> um, so how long have you both been a mother-daughter duo in the entertainment industry? And how did you get started in the first place? You want to answer since you... <laughs> Since you're upset, oh my goodness. Um, so mm. uh, I would say 2016. Oh, now she wants to check with me. Whatever. Okay. Two, 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 2016. <laughs> um, Look, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> give her, give her the, me off. Give her the question again. Give it, it to her again. Off. No, hmm. it threw me off, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> How long have we been a mother-daughter entertainment duo? Don't touch me. We've been a duo for four years now. Yes. Four years. Okay. <laughs> That's super um, interesting. And through those four years, what have you, I guess, learned the most about being in this mother-daughter duo? Well, go on. No, you go. No, go no you go I ahead. Want you to, I, I bet want you, you do. No. So anyway, this right here, she just, she just likes to bother me. <laughs> so this is what I've learned that I have to have, I have to have, to have patience. I have to inhale and exhale. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned with us being a mother-daughter duo is just the different talents that we have. It's really been great to be able to work with a partner and to and for that partner to be my child. I get to learn about her in a different way. So I think that's been one of the greatest things. She has an amazing work ethic. And so, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So she has an amazing work, work ethic. 
and as my partner she she has my back so you cannot ask for more than that i i trust her with the process i trust mm -hmm. the things that she's saying she you know she researches so it's it, it works out to be a, a really good combination yeah i would have to pretty much agree with what you said miss shirley oh um, thank you miss bray i've learned <laughs> i've learned really like how to mesh the different working style even though mm -hmm. like our working styles are pretty much the same that can cause a lot of friction when you have two people who have the same exact tenacity whose brain goes a million miles <laughs> per hour um but so we've like learned how to balance like i don't know it's just kind of like an internal thing where it's like when we go into a meeting or whatever the case we just kind of like have this feeling like okay well you take this question mm -hmm. or you take this question mm -hmm. type thing and um we're really intentional about like not overpowering the other person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i just think that i don't think there was ever like a oh aha this works but just after like putting our working relationship mm -hmm. together as with anything the longer you do stuff you find the kinks yeah. and you find out what works and what meshes and we've just you know been on the ball rolling ever since yeah i totally agree i, th I just think we just found out yeah what works it, it wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. like oh this doesn't work for us oh let's redo this mm -hmm. whereas mm -hmm. more like oh this this is very productive when we do things like this mm -hmm. so right. yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's powerful and inspiring. Uh, I definitely could attest to that. You know, I work with um, family members as well. And at the end of the day, it's uh, there's a trust there. There's a bond there. There's something that you guys can push forward and know that you guys have each other's back no matter what. Um, so that's super awesome right there. Definitely. Um, so question for Bree. Uh, what is a deaf merger and what sparked your interest to become one? Yeah, so I'm actually a dev uh, culture merger, and it's culture like C U L T U R E. Everybody thinks I'm saying kosher, <laughs> or, or like, or like they think you say deaf, or they think I say deaf <laughs> instead <Yeah>. of deaf. <laughs> but yeah, so as a deaf culture merger, <laughs> what I do is honestly, I really just spend a lot of time in the hearing community, um, letting them know about the deaf community, letting them know about different ways that they can make. Uh, them, uh, their companies, if they're entrepreneurs, deaf friendly, so that people of the deaf community in the deaf community can have access to information, communication, um, letting them know about different agencies that they can reach out to to look for interpreters if um, they need an interpreter for a deaf client. You know what to do before an interpreter arrives. You know things like you know it's okay. You know you don't need to be scared of a deaf person just because mm -hmm. you don't know how to communicate with them. Write it down. Mm -hmm. Use your phone. Like just different things like that, and really spending a lot of time talking to them about the culture because the culture is completely different. And so one always thinks that one is being rude and not being respectful of protocol. And after explaining, like, no, in this world, this is how it operates. So, you know, don't take it personal. It's just the mm -hmm. difference of perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much um, what I do as a deaf culture merger. And the interest sparked, I want to say, like, full-fledged when I was uh, my junior year of college. 
it was when I took up American Sign Language as a foreign language. I had been previously exposed to American Sign Language, but being in college is when I really started learning about the culture, learning about the gap between the hearing and the deaf. And I'm just like, wow, like how many hearing people don't know X, Y, and Z, you know? And as a person who had that information and who considered myself an ally, I took the information that, I felt it was my responsibility to put it out there. Um, if I hold on to the information and do nothing with it, I don't, is this pointless you know it's a waste so um i ended up finding a love and a passion for that and just really feeling inspired that other people learn something because we all learn something new from somebody but to know that somebody's eyes were opened about a new group of people and now you know they're they're not a new group of people but a new group of people and you're in that mm -hmm. hearing person's eyes and now you're more aware and more conscious about how you as the person interact with someone who's different from you that brings a really really warm fuzzy feeling to my heart like oh like i attributed to something like, yeah. okay cool so mm -hmm. that's inspiring because you think about um both the deaf um community and then the hearing community and how you know there's not many you know much differences you know when you have the merger there um you're starting to learn more about each other and you start to see that wait we have much more in common than we thought we did you know that barrier um once it's removed you start to see like so much in common so i think that's super awesome what you do um as um for that one um question for shelly uh what is a life purpose coach and what made you want to take this path a life purpose coach is a lot like like a life coach which is where we're guiding you and really helping you walk into the next level of your life but I, I like to say that a life purpose coach is a, a life coach with a little bit of splash. Spling. Okay. Did, did you feel that? Got I that? Like that. <laughs> I felt it. You felt that? Thank like, you. Let's do it. Spling. Oh, oh. Yes. Wow. It got on me. <laughs> and the reason being is because so many times we want to make it to the next level. We want to see what's next in our lives, but we really haven't come to terms with who were we created to be? Who are we beyond our titles? Who are we outside of, you know, um, the beliefs that we grew up with mm -hmm. or how someone has raised us? And so being a life purpose coach, we go back and we review some of those things so that not only are we going to guide you to your next level and where you're going and help you get there confidently, but mm -hmm. you're going to get there knowing more about who you are and who you've been created to be. And that's mm -hmm. a big difference. You don't want to just be a part of life. You want mm -hmm. to live life. You want to experience life. And you want to do it as the person that you were created to be and not just out there. So I spend time helping you understand where your purpose lies so that you can confidently walk in who you are. And who you are is who God designed you to be in the first place. And the reason I stepped into this is because I found myself standing in the mirror one day after I decided to stay home with my uh, with my girls. And I found myself standing in the mirror not really knowing who I was. You know, I have these wonderful titles. I was someone's wife. I was someone's mother. I was someone's employee. I worked in, a, in the entertainment industry, which I really love. So I had all of these different facets about myself that I really enjoyed. But if I took away all of those things that had a title to it, who was Shelly? Who was Shelly purpose to be? What did Shelly enjoy? You know, do I even really like lemonade or do I just drink it because the kids leave it behind? You know, you don't like to waste food, you know, when you have children. You, you, you want to account for that. And so it was just a journey. 
that I ended up taking. And when I was done with that and recognizing who I was and, and understanding who you are can really be a life journey. There's not a set time like you need to know this by 20. You need to know this by 25. The journey can be lifelong, but as long as you're walking towards it, that's what's the, the greatest thing. So I said, if I had, you know, um, if I was looking and trying to discover myself, how many of my fellow women are doing the same thing? I wanted them to be able to know who they were, just like I was able to find who I was. And my purpose lied in me helping other women find their purpose. Mm. You see? <laughs> that's. I think that's super powerful because at the end of the day, you... It's so true and so common that, you know, we go through our, our daily jobs and we see those titles and we think, okay, this is what I do. But at the end of the day, we try to find out like who I am, you know, at the end of the day, who, who I'm created to be, what my purpose is exactly, rather than I do this job or I work here. And I think that's so important um, that you do that work because at the end of the day, a lot of individuals are seeking that and some may not know they they fell mm -hmm. into that that route of you know right. this is my day to day i have this title but mm -hmm. you know that thought in the back of your head like what really am i doing it's a real thought and you 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 have an opportunity to you know help these individuals find that purpose so super powerful what you do I get excited about it. If we don't know who we are, we're just walking through life blindly. We're frustrated. We're upset. You know, we're bitter. We're lashing out at other people. When in actuality, if we turn it back inward and find out what's going on with us, and when we begin walking and who we were called to be, so much stuff would just fall off of you. You know, so much haterade. You'd be like, child, go on somewhere. Yeah, that's like what Nipsey Hussle said when he said, find your purpose or you yes, waste there. That's what I'm saying. You know yeah. I love Nipsey, right? I know. I do. Yeah. I, I love him. I, I love that. Um, okay. Um, I guess this is a question for both of you. Um, can you explain your joint YouTube series, I Hear You, and what inspired the creation of this series? I'm going to give that one to Bree. <laughs> uh, well, initially, um, I wanted to work behind the scenes, educating people behind the scenes about deaf community and deaf culture so that more deaf talent can have an opportunity to be on set and be able to artistically express themselves through television, through theater, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, I was talking to a casting director about it and she, you know, dropped the nugget in me and asked if I wanted, if I ever thought about doing a web series. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, why would I think about that? Like, <laughs> I mean, but she said it so casually, right? Like, oh, have you thought about doing this? And I was like, no <laughs> but literally like the next day literally. i put out yes. a crew call asking for like cinematographers editors mm -hmm. uh sound boom just everything everything like without doing research just just jumped anything. in blindly I just jumped right for the gun was like, i was ah. like well see she said i should do it so <laughs> i'm just gonna do this thing um, that's pretty much how it started. And so because of my mother's uh, background in entertainment, you know, I presented it to her and I was like, oh, such and such said that blah, 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 blah. And so we should do this. Do you want to do this with me? And she's just like, yeah, but no, no, no budget, no laying out, no seeing. Wow. We was yeah. like cast, you know, casting, do this, do this. And, you know, you would think that I, 
I have a little bit of something where I would have said, hold up, let's do this. But we were novice and we, and we just really jumped in. I look back on it and that's not what you want to do, but I look back on it. And sometimes I think it might've been the best for us because I'm such a detailed person and I look at every which way that something can happen, might happen, would happen, could happen, if happened. I probably would have drove myself crazy and we may not have been able to jump in. So we jumped in and we learned. And once we were in there, we like, listen, we're just going to swim because we don't have time for drowning today. Right. So we're, we're just going to swim and do this. Um, again, not something that I would recommend, but I think at the time, because we were so, so, um, zealous about it and we were just like, this is just so yeah. great. Let's do it. If we had thought about it, we probably we, wouldn't. We probably would have talked ourselves out of it. Yeah. Like, mm, we don't have this. We don't have that. Maybe we should wait. Maybe. Right. So, but we did. I think that's, I think that's super incredible that you guys, um, went about it that way. Cause at the end of the day, if you have such an eagerness to, you know, begin something and you have the people around you to start it up why not jump for it i know i think that's how i started with this podcast mm -hmm. you know my editor or my videographer kind of knew the day before that this was going to be a brand new podcast and he was like hey man i don't really have equipment for this and i'm like let's just follow my lead and at the end of the day it turned into like our ninth one here today and i think sometimes you just have to jump you you have to not overanalyze things and like you said it's not always the best route for everything you do but there's certain times where you know so i think that's incredible i, I think certain times it's great to jump trying to do a production is not the one <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. you need you need a little information but again at the end of the day i really am glad that we mm -hmm. that we did that that we just jumped because um, I think it was the best thing for us. Yeah, we probably us. wouldn't have been here Yeah, today. I think it was yeah. the best thing for us. Mm -hmm. And we've learned so much. And I think that the next time, you know, because we do have other projects that we've been working on, we're so much more confident. So even if things don't work out the way that we thought they would, it, it doesn't really ruffle us because we've done all this. We didn't have a guideline. We didn't have a map. So now I think in a way, there's like a kind of a fearlessness there because mm -hmm. it's like, mm, well... Like we've been here before. We've been so. here before. Mm -hmm. So if it don't, mm, pivot. <laughs> pivot. <laughs> pivot. Shout out to friends. Yes. Uh, friends. A question for Bree. Um, can you tell us about the uh, encouragement award um, from the Black Women's Rock Nationally Women's Organization? Yes, um, the Black Women's Rock Nationally, that organization was founded by Pauline Moore, where she was really passionate about spotlighting uh, people from different generations in the community who she really felt were making a difference in the average ordinary person's life. And so she just, uh, you know, called me up and asked me if I wanted to um, come to the banquet. And I was like, yeah, I would love to come to the banquet. And she's like, oh, and also like, I've been watching what you've been doing and I would love for you to um, be the, was it the nominee, like a nominee? To, yeah, you were, one of, you were one of the nominees for that yeah, year, for the, I think the community award or something like that? No, it was, it was oh, the encouragement. Oh, it was the encouragement? Award. Okay, yeah. I thought it had something to do with community yeah. too. And um, the purpose of her encouragement award was really like, when she sees people who are in the grassroots of their career mm -hmm. using, like, let me highlight you now to keep mm -hmm. you going for when you want to give up yeah. in the future. Like, mm -hmm. here's your plaque that you won. Mm -hmm. 
to encourage you to keep moving, to keep moving. like you're on the right mm. path good stuff so um you know i thank her so much for that that was probably like my first award like doing something like in my field and so mm -hmm. yeah when they called i didn't even know that they had called my name i was sitting there eating <laughs> I, and i'm like i'm there right and oh. you know they listed the people who were the nominees and they said my name and i'm just eating and like people are like looking around and my mom was like they said your name they said and i was like what and then they said it again and i was like oh oh let me get up so you gotta not, drop your roll I, I think yeah. i was eating asparagus mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's what that I, I think that's super um, clever and important too, because you think about individuals who are, you know, in their youth doing such amazing things, and um, it's kind of told or I guess uh, seen as okay, you'll get all of your recognition when you're older. But mm -hmm. if you give that encouragement award while they're in the middle of it, that pushes them so much to, you know, keep going to actually. You know go for that next step and i think about all the individuals out there who are you know killing it in whatever they're doing that mm -hmm. you know just give them their roles now or right. just say hey like you're, you're doing amazing like keep it up i think that makes such a big difference um for a lot of them right mm -hmm. so true a uh, question for shelly mm -hmm. Can you tell us about your nonprofit women's organization, Powerful Woman, spelled P-O-W-H-E-R-F-U-L? Yes. Yes. Powerful. It's me being strong. Oh, thank you. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I started the Powerful Woman. Actually, it was an extension from another organization. I had a youth program called Rooted for Life, where I would help prepare teens for high school students actually to go into college. And in, in yeah, what was that? 2011, I believe. But- When you started it? Yeah, I think so, 2011, mm -hmm. 10, 11, one of them. But um, as I was doing it, I kept saying, my goodness, I'm not fulfilled. This is the purpose thing again. I'm not fulfilled mm -hmm. in this. I'm doing something that's great, it's wonderful for the community, but I'm just really not fulfilled. What is going on? And I remember praying and asking God, like, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. What's the problem? And um, and he told me that I was doing the right thing, but I was doing it for the wrong people. And I had to sit back and, and say, Where is my love? Where where is what I really um love? And what I really loved and still do are women. I, I just love women. I love hugging them. I love seeing them. I love being able to pour life into them. And so with that, immediately I switched my nonprofit and I changed it over from being a youth program to do, um, to being a women's empowerment program. As soon as I switched it over that year, I actually jumped right into that jump again. Yeah. I jumped yes. right into preparing, um, a conference. I was so excited about it. And we've been doing that conference, an annual conference every year. We actually missed this year. And um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I missed last year, but I think I did a brunch or something. I can't remember. E, I so, something like that. But that's been my, my heart to be able to bring women together every year for just one day one day when you can let your hair down when you don't have to have to answer to anything when you can be with other women who empower you love you where you can dance you know we mm -hmm. we dance across the stage and just mm -hmm. where you can be loved and that's my that's my heart 
I love women. I want women to love who they are, to empower who they are, to take responsibility for their decisions and to walk confidently in their purpose. That's what the organization is all about. That's amazing. You think about those conferences and you have all these strong, powerful women in one room. And I think um, it just trickles to each and every person. It's a contagious thing where like they're yes. all feel empowered. And I think that's just an incredible outlet for everybody there. I have so much fun at the conferences. These women think that it's for them. Ciao. I, I, I love the conference. I love it. And when I hear a woman, you know, come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You know, I had such a great time or thank you for the opportunity to highlight my business or I just enjoy being around other women who were like, I, I love it. I get giddy and I'm ready to do it again. It's a mutual fulfillment that you have right there. Definitely. Definitely. They, they enrich me. They empower me. So I love it. Love that right there. Question for Brie. From your experience, can you explain the type of stereotypes and social anxieties uh, the deaf community face on a daily basis? And how can these be improved for like positive change towards progression? That is a lot. That's a um, lot. <laughs> uh, I would have to say, well, as far as like stereotypes that we as hearing people have, you know, we have this notion that people who are deaf can't do anything. It's like, oh, you can't hear, so you can't operate in the world. Hmm. Um, you know, you can't speak for yourself. You can't do anything yourself. You know, you're if you have children, adults expect the children to be the mouths for their parents. You know, there's no reason why a seven-year-old should be doing a transaction at the bank on behalf of <laughs> their, their parent. But um, so... Yeah, there's this notion that, they, that they're childlike, that they need help. Um, um, you know, when people meet them, they exaggerate their words or they speak extra loud and start shouting. And it's just like shouting is not going to make somebody <laughs> hear you, you know, any more or less than what they may already do. And so it's just um, interesting looking at hearing people, our natural instincts when we encounter a deaf person, you know, if somebody points to their ear, we freeze up and like walk away or we go, oh, I'm sorry. You don't have to be sorry. Like mm -hmm. the deaf person probably wants that human interaction. You know, mm -hmm. imagine being told, oh, I'm sorry and walking away every single day. Mm -hmm. I did an experiment like a couple of years ago mm -hmm. um, at the grocery store just for my own personal, because I just, I wanted to see what my deaf friends were talking about because mm -hmm. nobody wants to admit that they're mean or that they're not sensitive to people who are less than them or you know have less than than them to say the least and so i'm like you know let me try this out so anyway long story short we were in the grocery store and i was just signing the entire time i didn't use my voice i was signing to my sister um Signing to my, my mama didn't understand what I was saying, but mm -mm. my sister understood. And so countless times, like if somebody like looked at me, I noticed that they hurry up and, and you know, will look away or like they'll try to like avoid me or they're just staring at me like consistently mm -hmm. or, you know, they mm -hmm. would they would intentionally disregard me and look to my sister or my mother to tell them how I'm feeling 
about something or if there was like a conversation that was happening like the conversation with the cashier mm -hmm. she kept looking at my sister and my mom not one time and i was standing in the middle of both of them and not one time did she ever make eye contact with me mm -hmm. and i was like dang yeah and this is just an experiment that i did this is not my life i mm -hmm. don't deal with this at the gas station at the movies at the mm -hmm. restaurant and i just thought wow so yeah. I think, you know, as hearing people, what we can do to make that better is one, we can stop fetishizing, fetishizing, did I say that I right? I think so. Fetishizing American Sign Language, because as long as I've been in this field, everything is, oh my gosh, that's so cool, that's so cool, oh, that's so cool, but you're not taking out the time to learn this language, to communicate with somebody mm -hmm. for access at Home Depot. You think mm -hmm. it's cool to tell somebody F you with your hands. And mm -hmm. it's just like, and I this get it. This is someone's This language. is somebody's language. This is their mm -hmm. life. And I get it because when I was in high school, I wanted to know how to say all the cuss words in Spanish. But I think the difference is that even people who speak another language, you can hear. You know, you don't you know, versus somebody who doesn't have hearing, the first thing mm -hmm. you want to know is how to use a curse word. No, you need to be learning how to communicate with me so that I can mm -hmm. have access. People who speak Italian, Romanian, Japanese, okay, you're not denied access, but mm -hmm. it's this group of people that's denied access, maybe not always intentionally, mm -hmm. but nobody knows their language. And you know, you think it's cool, baby's first signs, but then if a baby is deaf, you discourage the parents from learning American Sign Language. And you, mm -hmm. you, know, you encourage them to get the cochlear implant, which is a surgically implanted device that goes in the brain. You don't give parents resources for deaf groups, for um, you know, these deaf children to grow. Now these children don't have language, now they're language deprived. So, you know, that's what we as hearing people can do to ease whatever anxieties that the deaf community may feel when interacting with us we can start by stop romanticizing their language and look at it as a language take the time out to learn basic signs so that they can have communication to what's going on around them that's oh that's super incredible that you did that experiment because at the end of the day you had an opportunity to you know walk in their shoes and um, have that empathy and really understand what they go through on a daily basis. And for you to um, be a deaf culture merger, now you have the opportunity to now connect with these individuals um, more so than ever before because you had that opportunity to see what it's like to be in that day to day. And with uh, you know breaking those stereotypes and pushing forward uh, to improve um, all of these you know, notions and um, thoughts people have of the deaf community, I think mm -hmm. you help individuals now, you know, move forward to, you know, bridge that gap. You being the merger, you know, removing that barrier, I think is super important. And um, that's incredible that you, you did that experiment to, you know, learn that. Thank you. <laughs> um, question for Shelly. Uh, can you explain your statement, broken women raise broken girls who become our next generation of brokenness? And how would you say women can break this cycle? Wow, that's 
wow breaking that cycle that's a a whole thing in itself but the statement um broken women raise broken girls who become a next generation of brokenness we as as people um i speak to to the women because that's who my target audience is but we as people we carry our brokenness instead of uh, being healed with that instead of acknowledging that we've been fractured, that we've been hurt, that we've been broken. Instead of just saying, I am in pain. I don't know how to handle a relationship. I am in pain. I don't know how to be the best woman. I am in pain. Um, I, I connect love with, with, with um, being in the bed with people. Instead of us just saying that and admitting that we hold on to that brokenness. Mm. And so when we have children, we, we love with a broken wing mm -hmm. we love with um a limp and so we can only give the the smaller pieces of ourselves because the other part has not been healed the other part is still wounded and so mm -hmm. now what happens is either we become you know she-ra you know and there's nothing wrong with that it's just that sometimes we take it to the to you the know extreme. to the extreme so either we're she-ra and we're like don't do this. Don't do that. Make sure no man take advantage of you. You are this, this, this. You don't need no man. You don't da, 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 da. Or we become the, I don't speak up for myself. So now you're running over me or I never want to be without a certain relationship or I, you know, so we, we teach from a, a place of, of brokenness. And so what we do is we pour that into our children. We pour that into our daughters and we raise a brand new generation of young ladies who are loving with a broken wing. And so you're never able to fully understand who you are so that you can fully pour that love, empowerment, guidance, you know, into your daughters. And we repeat that cycle over and over and over again because either no one no one helped us and showed us, hey, let me let, let me show you where you are and let me walk with you. They took advantage of it. They abused it. So we didn't get it. So it's very hard for us to pour it into someone else. And again, it goes again and again. And we continue to pour this into a cup with just a little bit of poison. And it kills us every single day mm. and breaks us down. And then we teach our daughters to drink the poison as well. Mm. And how do we break that cycle? Knowledge, acceptance, healing. But the first thing is for you to be able to stand in front of the mirror and be naked with yourself and say, I'm just not the best mom. I don't know how to love my daughter. You'd be amazed at how many mothers are jealous of their daughters. Don't nobody want to talk about that. That's a bit too real for to sit down and say, oh, I don't even like my daughter. My daughter is pursuing things that I didn't get a chance to pursue. I was a teenage mother. And so now she, you know, she's 16, 17, and she thinks she's all that because she have a job and she have this. I had to sacrifice for her and do this, this, this. She doesn't appreciate me, da, 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 da. You would be amazed at how, how much friction there can be. A lot of toxicity. A lot. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much that you really dislike your daughter. Sure, that's the way it's coming out. But some of it comes from the point of, you didn't get this support when you were young. You didn't get this love when you became pregnant early. Nobody helped you. Instead, they said, well, you made your bed, lay in it. But nobody took the time to say, I, I, I see you. You're, you're not backwards. It's not, you wanted to get your jiggy. A lot of people do. Now you have a responsibility. Let me help you 
so that you can be the best version of yourself. That would have been how we would have stopped that cycle because now that 16, 17 year old, 18 year old girl who's a young mom, she would have been able to see herself differently. And so now I can pour differently into my, into my daughter. So we can't stop the past. That happened, it's over, toxicity dripped, it is what it is. Where are you today? How can I pour into my daughter today? How can I love my daughter today? How can I support her today? And where there's frailties and fractures within me, I need to be able to recognize what that is. I had a woman say to me one day, you know, um, she was saying all of these wonderful things that her daughter was doing and she was a bit embarrassed. And she says, I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed to even say it. I feel like such a terrible person, but I feel like I'm jealous of my daughter. And I said to her, that, that can be normal. Don't stab yourself. What you just did is you opened up the door to healing because you said, I'm jealous of my daughter. So now let's break down. Let's dig under that and find out what happened. And when we dug under there, what it was was she didn't get something. She didn't get the support, the love. She didn't have people doing that. So she wasn't able to be 17 and, and have friends and hang out. She missed that. And now she was upset, even though she provided this wonderful life for her daughter, she was upset that her daughter was able to live a life that she didn't get a chance to live. So we had to bury that. And then we had to start anew so that she could see her daughter differently by seeing herself differently. That's how we have to begin to break that cycle. Awareness, self-awareness, acceptance and the willingness to acknowledge the brokenness and be mm -hmm. willing to mend it that was you talked about me being passionate you know i love that <laughs> you can't put a, a band-aid on a, a huge open wound because you're not basically treating it you're, you're kind of saying okay it's there put the patch on let me raise my family and at mm -hmm. the end of the day like you said this cycle trickles down and what you really need to do is mend it understand that that yes. problem is there and work on fixing that and um it's gonna take time you, you're gonna have to be patient but just to. that recognition that you know there's that brokenness there and it needs to be um treated in order to you know make sure my uh kids have a bright future and make sure I'm not putting any of that toxicity um, towards them. And now you start to to build a, a new cycle than what your past was. And and it's so it's okay. The thing is, we look at our past and we look at things that were negative in our past. And then we hold on to that and we lock into it so that we're not able to do something different. I think I was just saying to, to Bree and my other daughter earlier, I come from a generation of um, children should be seen and not heard. And so to have to grow up with that, you should be seen and not heard. That stifles your voice. That's not the message that we should be giving children. But that was the message that I grew up with. Keep your mouth closed. Be quiet. You don't have a voice. That's how it translated. I didn't like that feeling growing up that I couldn't express myself. I couldn't say if I dislike something. If I don't like lima beans, I don't like lima beans. Why, you know, why is everybody mad? Why is that disrespectful to not like some lima beans? But either you gonna, you gonna like it today, but I don't and I still don't. So for me being able to change that narrative, when I became older, I wanted my kids to be seen and heard. And you can be heard respectfully. If you don't like lima beans, just say it. 
don't come in trying to toss the lima beans on the floor because you might catch one. But say, I don't like it. Let's find what you like. There's a way that we can both get what we want. I can nourish you and you can enjoy the nourishment. How do we meet in the middle? That's the changing of the cycle. And I hope you let your children eat whatever vegetables they like. Yeah, they can. Thank you. Yeah. Right there. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, question for Bree. Can you tell us about receiving the certificate of recognition from council member Mike Gibson of the 54th district? That was good. Yeah. Um, so actually I did a small screening before I officially released the web series, I hear you to the public. I actually didn't know that that was going to happen at all. Someone who, uh, is very dear to me, who believes in me. She's very active in the community. Uh, she, is she, what is she now? I don't know. She ran for another position, but don't start lying and get it wrong. Just go ahead. Well, with she, the story. she's in mm -hmm. the, she's in politics mm -hmm. and in the community. And um, I invited her to come out to the screening because she was very familiar uh, with my process of, you know, getting to the final result. And so I didn't think that she was coming because she told me that she had a very busy day. And but anyway, so she ended up coming and she just came down the aisle and asked if she could speak for a second. And then she pulls out this big um, thing, it's just big. <laughs> And right. she's just like, on behalf of our office, because uh, she worked for the assembly member. And she had told him, um, I think, I don't want to get to line. I think she said she had to. But bottom line is, just, just get to the, the it basics. came from mm -hmm. him and his office with his signature and everything. And I was like, oh my goodness. And the whole thing was that they were just really impressed that you had somebody who doesn't have a personal connection to the deaf community, but is really passionate about providing awareness about the community so that the community mm -hmm. can change and make itself accessible to the deaf members who live in the community. Right. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was pretty exciting. It was great. That's awesome right there. At the end of the day, you know, being recognized for, you know, doing great work is something that's, you know, important to, you know, share not only for yourself, um, but for people around you of, you know, the same age, like, hey, I can do something like this, too. You know, I don't have to, you know, be, I don't know, a couple years down the line to, you know, actually make a difference. So mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, spoke volumes to not only um, people that knew you, but people around you that you might not even know. So mm -hmm. pretty awesome right there. Good work, Bree. Um, <laughs> question for Shelly. Um, I read that you are an ordained minister. Uh, when did you begin this journey? Wow. Um, oh, maybe, maybe three. Two, 2015. Maybe. Was it that long ago? Yeah, because I was a junior in college. Okay, we were... so Bree says about 2015. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I am a member of Antioch of Long Beach, and my pastor was actually doing a program um at the church for those who wanted to be ordained and i really didn't think that i was going to be able to get into the program i was i was new to the church i do remember that i was new to the church and um there were a lot of a lot of people that wanted to be a part of the program and i i went and i applied to the program and i was just like you know well lord you know 
if it if it happens it happens but i really didn't think that i would i would get into it being able to get into that that position that ministry to be a part of that program was absolutely amazing not only was i able to learn more about my walk with christ and who god is and who christ is and and how to really um you use use being in that position to really pour life into people it gives you an even an even greater empathy for others um to be able to see who they are to be able to see the things that they've gone through to really be able to depend on on god so that he can guide you when he's leading you to be a part of someone's life so it was a lot of study it was a lot of work and i think the program was either 18 months or 24 months. I'm, I can't really remember. What I do know is when I graduated, a girl was ecstatic. You should have been. <laughs> when I walked that stage, I was like, yes, I did it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yes, I, that is probably one of, one of the greatest things that I've been able to do was to become an ordained minister. I love it. It's amazing because you, you find that you're able to connect with individuals in a different light than you were before, mm -hmm. you know, and it's exactly. such a good feeling um, personally to, you know, um, walk across that stage as well. Yes, it, it was great. I had my family there cheering me on, you know, in the audience, making making noise. My family is small, but you wouldn't think mm -hmm. so because we, we get rowdy for each other. We we be <laughs> in the audience. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> That's a support system right there. It is, awesome it right is. <laughs> for both of you, um, how has the pandemic affected you both personally and professionally? Well, professionally, that's the easy one. We're no longer on the red carpet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So as as host, we um, we did events. We went to events. We, we had a great time being able to interview celebrities and things of that nature. And so with the pandemic, you, you're, you're not there to interact with each other, to have that energy. But I think the shift of it, you know, that works as well. We have an opportunity to meet, I think, even more people you've had an, we've had an opportunity to attend workshops and get mm -hmm. to know different executives producers you've had a chance to meet different writers be a part of um different programs and yeah. things like that so there's been a definite shift and i do enjoy being out and being with being with others and, and right. having that personal touch but i can't really say that i don't enjoy being able to interact with people virtually as well because it's, mm -hmm. it has extended some of our network Absolutely. things yeah things that we would not have been able to do we've been able to do virtually so um yeah on one end it stopped the movement in one way but it pushed the movement in another way yeah so that that's definitely been the thing as far as our our work together personally i think it goes across the board because i've been able to be to be home and to do a lot of virtual connecting i've been able to meet so many people as far as different life coaches different speakers i've been able to be a part of different programs since since being virtual i've become an international speaker come on jesus uh you know i i've I, I've done so many things. I've had several speaking opportunities. I've been on amazing podcasts. Yours. I appreciate that. I've been on the news. You know, so it has it has granted me so many opportunities. I I I, I can't even list them all. 
Mm. What you been doing, CHU? What I you agree. been doing? I don't even need to add. I, mean, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. No, I think that's incredible because at the end of the day, you you know, there's one part that seems like, oh man, no more red carpets. But then you realize, mm-hmm. wait, I can reach so many more people through this virtual way. Like, for yeah. example, you know, I'm on the East Coast and you're on the West Coast. Like, right. who would have ever thought that interaction yeah. or connection would happen? And, mm-hmm. you know, starting to look at it in an optimistic sense, like, wait, this is actually opening a, a new chapter. Like, why don't mm-hmm. we, you know, not dwell on what we don't have and kind of like realize we could adapt to this new chapter mm-hmm. type thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I could definitely attest to that. Yeah, I hope to, you know, one day be able to enjoy an event again, hopefully soon. But until then, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunities that, you know, that we have. Most definitely. So this question is for both of you as well. Um, How has the Black Lives Matter movement affected you both personally and professionally? Well, you actually were able to go (laughs) to, um, where were you, downtown? No, I was in Hollywood. Oh, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. where you did a protest. Mm-hmm. And it kind of combined, because you, you did the protest, but wasn't it with fellow members of the deaf community, or you guys just happened to? No, so the, whole, so the thing is, is one of my mentors, um, she kind of started the whole pro bono interpreter movement, because her whole thing was, it's not fair that the black deaf community do not have access to what's going on at these protests. So just little, just things in life that we don't think about mm-hmm, that the community mm-hmm. doesn't have access to. So she took it upon herself to form her own group and at all, like, at all these protests, if she's not at it, somebody from the group that she's formed is at it mm-hmm. uh, in Cal- here in California. And then, but there's other groups in other states too that are doing the same thing, that they have their group and they're just out there interpreting like what's being said at, at this protest so that people in the black deaf community can be involved too. But honestly, like it, the, at the particular protest that I went to, it was way more white people than it was black people. And a lot of members who were deaf and white came out and were like- That community know, coming together. Yeah, to and be able we to were in our own us, group yeah. and the message was being interpreted. Um, I didn't interpret, but I was observing the interpreters and I met more deaf people. And um, it was just very, I don't even know, it was a very, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it was a good feeling to mm-hmm. literally be in the middle of watching history take mm-hmm. place in the midst of peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. And it was also, um, very nice. I can't think of another word, but it was very nice to see people who weren't black be on the Coming front line and be mm-hmm. very vocal with their their signs about mm-hmm. why officers shouldn't be putting their knees in our necks and things like that. So it, it was just, it was refreshing that we mm-hmm. weren't, in this case, the ones hollering for mm-hmm. change but that other groups were coming in to be an ally during Mm -hmm. this unfortunate time in Mm -hmm. American history. I definitely could attest to that feeling you were feeling. Um, I had a chance to go to um, a protest where I'm um, staying and it's a definitely uplifting 
um, feeling that you can't really relate to anything else. You, you feel empowered, you feel motivated to do more. Um, I also did see individuals of different races and backgrounds there. And it, it definitely is a, a, a cool feeling to know that, you know, the fight is not just you. It's more so it's, um, um, racist against anti-racist, you know, like at the end of the day, we're all pushing towards stopping that racism and the fact that individuals are coming together, no matter what walk of life you're from, knowing that we're in this together was a, a cool feeling. And, um, the mm -hmm. fact that, uh, there was, um, a protest, uh, to walk and have, um, members from the deaf community join as well. Um, I think that's also great and in line of inclusion, you know, making sure everybody's there to, you know, share that they stand for this too, no matter, you know, what difference you have from anybody else. So right. awesome right there. Definitely. Um, I have this final question for Brie. Um, what's one thing that you'd like your viewers to know about the deaf community? They are people first before they are oh, deaf. That's good. And that was they want to be, but the whole thing is human interaction, mm -hmm. making that effort. Use your phone to communicate with them. Write it down on the piece of paper. They're literate. They're, you know, they, they understand. Mm -hmm. They're people first before they're deaf. That's good, Brie. Oh, you're people first. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's that's um, simple, but it's powerful. Right. It's, yeah. yeah. That's good. Final question for Shelly. As a life coach, what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with viewers to inspire them to be their best selves? Oh, the one thing I would leave you with, it's never too late. It is never too late. You can find purpose. You can find who you are. You were created with that. So don't ever think that it's too late or it's too early to know it walk in it, you know, lay out things, little um, sentences for yourself to help empower you for those days that you, you don't feel so great. Ask people around you, what's one thing that you like about me and learn how to speak life into yourself. This world will, you know, it's filled with people who take pleasure mm -hmm. in tearing you down and, you know, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know. Cause I don't even understand it. It will suck you dry. It will suck you dry. So at the end of the day, you need to be able to replenish with who you are and who you were created to be. And it's never too late to find that person. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me on uh, our ninth episode. This has been um, an enlightened, you know, uh, opportunity to learn about not only what you do, but learn about, you know, all the different aspects of what impact you both are making in your community so first off thank you and um i'm glad to you know learn about you and meet you and um looking forward to seeing you guys excel you know thank you so much it has been a pleasure thank you again of course well share with uh viewers exactly where they can find you on social media and um all of your projects coming up Oh, oh now, oh, because uh, now you want to look at me. First, you're like, oh, uh, you always go. Whatever. You whatever. can find our Instagram at Shelly and Brie, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, and is spelled out A-N-D, Brie, B-R-E-E, 
if you would like to follow our personal journeys of what we do outside of each other, I am Bree, B-R-E-E dot K dot Jones on Instagram. I'm the same on TikTok. And oh, ah, wait, oh, sorry, oh, I just forgot. cut me I'm off. Sorry. And the same <laughs> on Facebook also at Bree dot K dot Jones. Well, Facebook is just Bree K Jones, but it's all a Bree K and a Jones in it. Okay, go on. <laughs> I'm Bree K and a Johnson. <laughs> if you would like to keep in touch with me and follow me, you can follow me on Instagram. It's very simple. It's my name, Shelly Mache. I'll spell that. It's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-M-E-C-H-E-T-T-E. You can also connect with me on Facebook under my name and LinkedIn under my name. And lastly, you can always go to my website, which is www.shellymache.com. And you can get on my email list um, on my website. You can download my free ebook, The Five Daily Happiness Habits. And you can also schedule a 30-minute Clarity Master Call with me if you just need someone to help you walk through the ideas and things that are in your mind to get you prepared and lined up for purpose living well i thank you both shelly and brie um thank you guys for tuning in to chilling with julian episode nine the virtual edition learn so much today and um stay inspired stay healthy and have a good day you thank too you, bye you too. thank you